The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And it's Friday, so let's turn it over to Duff McKagan for the joke of the week. Hey, uh, Chris Jericho, it's Duff McKagan calling me. I just wanted to let you know I, uh, I went to my doctor today and, uh, he said, uh, diagnosed me with a severe lack of awareness. Man, that came out of nowhere. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Duff McKagan uh, never uh, lets us down or lives up to any of his promises telling good jokes. And he never misses a Friday, let's be honest. No matter where in the world he is, he's finally back home in the United States after a sold-out European summer tour with Guns N' Roses. We love you, Duff. Thanks for sharing uh, your joke of the week and starting our weekend with a laugh every single Friday, no matter where you are in the world. And someone else who might know a little something about comedy, today's guest, the Beer City Bruiser from Ring of Honor. He came out to Fozzie's show at the Rock USA Festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, a couple weeks back. That's where I tracked with Hailstorm, if you remember that. And we had a great conversation about his wrestling career, all the cool stuff he learned thanks to his training with Harley Race. He talks about how he got hooked up with Harley, why he decided to pack up and move to Kansas City to train with Harley Race, He's also talking about one of his first wrestling gimmicks, Din T. Moore. Get it? Named after the can stew. <laughs> Training with Curtis Axel, a.k.a. Joe Henning, and why Bruiser Brody is still one of his favorite wrestlers of all time and mine. You hear all about his life on the indies, his gig with Ring of Honor, what he thinks about the WWE, his match on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea against Cheeseburger. Beer City Bruiser is coming up, and... So is the Alcatraz Festival in Belgium for Fozzie. It's on Saturday, one of our last gigs on the current European run. We're also doing Bloodstock in England at Canton Park in Walton on Trenton Derbyshire. We're doing the main stage there. That's on Sunday. Then we fly home to the States for 10 days, and then we get ready for the next leg of the Judas Rising Tour starting Friday, August 24th in Atlanta, Georgia at Smith's Old Bar. Only 20 tickets remaining. Go to FozzieRock.com. This show is going to sell out. And then we pick up with Adelita's Way at the Stir Stone Broken uh, FozzyRock.com, all the ticket information and the place to buy ticks for Fozzy's VIP meet and greets. We do a whole mini concert for you. Take pictures, we sign stuff, we come hang out with you. Uh, it's one of the best VIP meet and greet uh, uh, packages in the business. Billy Gray, guitar player for Fozzy. How cool is Fozzy's meet and greet and VIP package? The best in the world. Yeah, boy! He said it right there. FozzyRock.com. And then uh, August 25th, Birmingham. 
August 26th, Huntsville, Alabama. 29th, Clarksville, Tennessee. Take the last train to Clarksville. Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Joliet, Omaha, Des Moines, Minneapolis, Fargo. So many gigs coming up. Go to FozzyRock.com. We are coming to your town. And we finish up in Fort Lauderdale on the 29th. We're doing the Rock Allegiance show in Camden, New Jersey on October 6th. Main stage in that mofo. So get your tickets at FozzyRock.com. We'll see you on the road this summer. And we'll see you right now because it's time for the Beer City Bruiser right here on Talk is Jericho. I usually press play as soon as we get started, but I had to get a, a vodka for a couple brothers. Uh, as we're here uh, in Oshkosh at the Rock USA Festival. And um, it's cool because I got a contact that the Beer City Bruiser was going to be here. And it's funny because we have never met. And I didn't know uh, much about you, and then I heard that you're coming on the cruise through Ring of Honor. Yeah. So this is a good chance to kind <laughs> of uh, meet up and say hello. We've actually met a couple times before. Have we? Yeah. Well, um, I sound like an asshole now. Well, <laughs> where did we meet? I was an extra for oh. um, Simon Dean's debut. Oh, wow. And you were actually one of the guys um, that put a word in because you saw me working out before the show uh-huh. that I could bump and stuff. You, Jim Ross, Paul Heyman all said something. So the, the script, if you will, got changed. So I got to bump and, and also say lines. What was what was Simon Dean's uh, debut? I don't remember. He was like the exercise guy. Yeah, and I was the fat kid in the like second row. So remember, he used to make fun of everybody in the row. Yeah. So they had me as a plant, and when he came to me, I got all offended and I jumped the guardrail and got in his face and then we went back and forth and of course I was from uh, I remember it was Peoria, Illinois right, right <laughs> one of my go-to places Peoria, I that thing over there that's so funny man so so we saw you working out earlier in the day yeah and I mentioned to somebody that you uh, had what it takes and then after I got done uh, you were walking out of the dressing room walking in walked up to thank you and you said, man, that was funny. Just keep doing funny stuff. You'll make it. Hmm. And like, I never really took that seriously until after I got back from Harley's and I became the Beer City Bruiser, which is really just a fun-loving drunk when he's a baby face. <laughs> and when he's a heel, he's just a guy who gets, he's a pissed off drunk. Well, <laughs> let's move back a bit. So when, when you, I saw you, that must have been, she's 2005 or so. Oh God. Yeah. So that's when Simon Dean was kind of yeah. there. So when did you start wrestling? I started in 2000. Okay. Um, I Are you started, from, from this area? I'm from this area. Yeah, I am actually live about an hour and a half south of here. So where is the, the actual real beer city? <laughs> the real beer city is Milwaukee. Okay, gotcha. I was thought it might be Milwaukee. Everyone calls it the Brew City, uh-huh. but I couldn't be the Brew City Bruiser because there's a roller derby team, girls roller derby team, and they're called the Brew City Bruisers, and I get confused to them all the time. <laughs> Not when they see you in person, though. <laughs> no, a bunch of them have my t-shirt, which is great. Like, I held my merch sales. <laughs> <laughs> so you started in 2000 out here in this area? Yeah, I, um, I used to grow up watching wrestling. Um, and a buddy of mine, we used to goof off in the backyard, not yarding, but like just beating each other up. Mm-hmm. And we were watching a pay-per-view and my buddy goes, hey, if you want, my neighbor's a wrestler. I said, what? He goes, yeah, they just had a ring set up because Channel 12 News was over filming something. If you want to meet him, I'll introduce you. I'm like, well, yeah, like I didn't know you could. I thought you had to know somebody, know somebody, know somebody because right. that's how the old, old stories were. Yeah. So I went and I, I met this guy. His name was Jet Bennett. And uh, I said, oh, yeah. He's like, you want to be a professional wrestler? And he made a list of schools for me. The first school was uh, Steel Domain run by Ace Steel. But I'd called it and they'd just gone under. Mm. So I was like, oh, man. Well, then the next one, I, I grew up in a town called Waukesha. It's like a little town about an hour and a half from here. 
And uh, there's a guy named Trevor Adonis who owned a gym. So I hit him up and I went Can in. Can I just say, I love the fact that his last name is Adonis. <laughs> his first name is Trevor. Isn't that great? <laughs> should be like Butch Adonis or <laughs> Trevor Adonis. And, and he, he was the tan, bleach blonde hair, slick back, wore the hot pink and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the typical 1980s. Right. Like, Rip Rogers, <laughs> yeah. Goldie Rogers type of guy. Yeah. So I went and I, I met him and, and he asked me why I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And I came up with some bullshit excuse which i'm sure if we recorded it and re watch it back we'd, i'd be embarrassed yeah but. and he says all right well i'm doing a fantasy camp at this bar called hog alley pay 150 bucks come out it's gonna be a two-hour camp you can bump learn to hit the ropes if you like it i'll introduce you to no you let know. me just say you're a big guy too yeah. i was bigger then how much do you weigh now i weigh 300 now and then i was about 325 maybe okay. 330 and i had didn't I didn't lift it in forever. This is a big farm boy <laughs> football player defense yeah. back. Yeah. And I used to play college football and I got hurt. So once I got hurt in college football, I just stopped lifting. You know what happens to muscle and right, stuff. Right, right, right. fat. So I was a big tub of goo. <laughs> and Trevor, you know, it's like went out there and my two hours turned into four and a half hours. And he said from the first moment, you st I told talked to him this day, he says from the first bump, he knew I got it. Right on. You know, and he yeah. says, you don't see that a lot in the business. And I hear from a lot of guys. You can sometimes look at somebody when they lock up or do a bump or something and just tell they get it. You can tell that, yeah, I'm not a trainer, but I know from, from the guys that I've seen, like, you know, even somebody like a Kurt Angle, the first time, I know he'd been training for a while, but his first match, you're like, oh, dude, I mean, it's just a matter of time for him. Brock was like that as well. Yeah. Guy like Lance Storm, same way. So, yeah, you can tell right away if a guy has the aptitude to, to bump, Right off the bat, yeah, it's usually a good sign. Yeah, and he, and he, anything he taught me, it just, I got it. Yeah, you know. So I remember I got to learn my first spot, which was tackle, drop down, hip toss. <laughs> <laughs> Your first spot. Yep, yeah. and like I did it, and like there was a show later that night he gave me tickets for, and I just I was on cloud nine, mm -hmm. and that's that's how I got started. You know? So you're starting around kind of this area, in the yep. Wisconsin area. Yeah, Trevor told me the best way to get better is just to work. Yeah. You know, he taught me psychology, he taught me babyface, you know, all the terms and stuff, and he taught me how to safely do everything. But he said, the only way you're going to get better is being in front of people. You got to know what people like and don't like. You got to learn. Which to is people. true. Yeah. Yeah, that's very much true. I mean, it's the same thing. You can do cardio all day long, but until you actually get in a match, yeah. it's a different vibe, right? There's, there's in shape and there's ring shape. Right. Like, I may not look like I'm in shape, but I'm in ring shape. Mm -hmm. You know, there's I, a lot of guys your size that could, that could go. Yeah. Like you said, you got to be in ring shape. Well, who was your first match with? My first match was against a guy named Mike Medallion. And he was a, a sergeant. He was like police officer. <laughs> and my first gimmick was Dinty Moore. I like, was a lumberjack. Like the soup? Like the stew. <laughs> yep, we were sitting around, and they're like, you need to be a lumberjack. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you're from Wisconsin. You know, you need to be a lumberjack. I'm like, all right. And they're like, well, what do lumberjacks eat? And they wanted to call me, like, Freddy Flapjack or something like that. I'm like, that's stupid. And somebody goes, well, what about that stew? And I said, like, Dinty Moore? They're like, that's it. That's your name. Because that's not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I had that for 10 years. So uh, uh, let me just make sure I'm getting this right. Did I detect a Din T? It's more, oh, so it's Din right. T. First name Din. Yep. Last name Moore. Middle yep. name T. Yep. And I, every, every time someone asked me what T stood for, I changed it. One time it was Thomas. One time it was Tank. One time it was The. <laughs> so it was Dinty The Moore. Or Din The Moore. Yeah, Din The Moore. And there's actually an author named Dinty Moore. Really? Yeah. Okay, maybe, you know, you, they, maybe you, they named the stew after the author. <laughs> I have no Which idea. Which came first, the chicken or the author? All I know is, remember when you glamour Google yourself? I did that once. And what is glamour Google? Like, you look yourself up online. Oh, yeah, yeah. To see where you're at. That, what is it? I guess that was glamour. I don't remember. But yeah. So if you're, if you're glamour Googling Dinty Moore, 
you're going to get the stew, the author, and then my way down. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned Harley Race a, a couple yeah. times. How did you end up training with him? I did a couple of his camps, and after a couple like, of his, what do you mean like he used to have like tryouts or something? Yeah, like it's a week long camp, and he brings in. At the time, it was Noah. He brought in um, Johnny Ace from WWE. You know, and he brought in guys to take a look at guys. So you would go to Kansas City? Yep. Missouri? Uh, Eldon, Missouri, Eldon, which is, Missouri, is yeah. like two hours north. Mm -hmm. It's a small little shithole of a town. There's nothing to do but do drugs and wrestle, <laughs> you know, or drink beer. Like, yeah. I didn't do drugs, but I drank beer and wrestled. Two out of three ain't bad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, so I did a couple of those camps, and his, his wife, who just who passed away, BJ, she, she passed away? Me. Yeah, BJ when? passed away. When? Uh, four or five years ago. Oh, okay. It's been a while then. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she came up to me, she says, you need to move down here. Like, you could be so good with mm. Harley's training. Yeah. And I have kids up here, and I had family. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. And then Harley pulled me aside and says, you really need to do this. Right. So I remember I went to, to Hog Alley where I had my tryout, my, or my introduction, and I had Trevor over some Jack and Cokes. We discussed it, and he flat out told me, he's like, if you want to do anything in this business, Harley's the place to go. Like, he's like college of wrestling. You know, like you've already done elementary school and high school with me, go to college. Great analogy. Next day, I packed up, moved all my stuff, and I lived down there for almost four years. Really? Yeah. That long? Yeah. So how, how long would you train with Harley? Like, is it a daily thing or is it weekly? Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday training would be from 5 to 8. The thing is, I saw Harley got to the school at 10 a.m. So I'd get to the school at 10.30, and I'd have lunch with him. I'd leave to go to the gym for an hour, come back. I'd do stuff around the school, like yard work and stuff. But I'd get in the ring and just roll around by myself. And he would sit ringside and he'd tell me, oh, your footwork's wrong on this. Oh, if you do this, you know, this will help your cardio. Oh, ring position with this. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, I'd get another student to come with me. And it would basically be one-on-one -on -one training with Harley. Hmm. And when I wouldn't get in the ring, we'd just sit in his office and he'd pull out the old books the booking sheets for wrestling at the chase and he'd point at, I'd have me point at a match and he'd tell me stories about it like oh this is when Kurt Henning first made his debut I knew this kid was going to be something or this is when that green kid Ric Flair did this and I'd look at him like the green kid he's like yeah Flair was always the green kid and I was like what yeah 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 because <laughs> it's Ric Flair you sure know? of course yeah. you know, it's, it's a, I did that too with Lance uh, when we went to the Hart Brothers camp we we I had some like we had each other to work with and as a result the guy who was training at the time let us come early and stay late and come in on Saturdays mm -hmm. and it was the same thing it was that extracurricular activity that really got us you know uh, ring ring ready yeah you know sharpened a lot of those 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 dull edges and that sort of a thing what was cool is uh Joe Henning started like maybe two years after I was down there yeah and he became the guy like your Lance where he was yeah, always there it. yeah and i remember working on him with arm drags for nine hours because he couldn't pick it up hmm. and the thing about joe is he was always driven to be like his dad and i always told him don't be like your dad be you you're talented break that mold right make your own thing this is curtis axel we're talking about correct you don't know but like you said when you got a dad that's so advanced like kurt henny if you're trying to go in there and take like the wonky turnbuckle bumps <laughs> yep. and you know, all that sort of stuff it's always going to be a second-rate version of your dad yeah and i think he's doing a great job now creating his own character yeah. and all that and i remember just i remember those days sweating in harley's gym for nine hours because he'd come in the morning we'd work out we'd go lift go eat go to camp when all the other students were there from five to, to eight and then harley ended up giving me a key so i'd stay there till 10 11 o'clock at night with joe or or like there's another student uh, katie siren who's not in the business anymore but mm. she'd stay there with us just to do stuff this is a big year 
the Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Was, uh, was uh, Harley's involvement? Was he in the ring with you, or would he sit in a chair and kind of order you around? Never got in the ring with us. There was, if, you, if he got in the ring, you knew something was screwed up. Mm. He would sit... He had a table. I remember he had a table, and he had his ashtray. Him and BJ would sit there, and Harley would watch, and he'd yell at you. And then if you weren't getting it, he'd yell louder. And then he'd finally have uh, Trevor Murdoch oh, okay. or Darren Corbin get in and show us. Mm-hmm. You know. And after a while, that guy became me. That's when I decided to leave because it was like, hey, I'm starting to train the guys now instead of learning. And I, I remember talking to Harley going, I, I don't want to say I've learned everything I can here, but I feel like I'm not learning as much as I did four years ago. Sure. You know, and I want to move back home. I want to. I want to be by my family. I want to, you know, start doing stuff. And I'd gotten burned on a Japanese tour down there because of politics. And I'm not a poli- I don't politic. I don't believe that. I believe my work will show for itself. I can cut a promo and I can work. You know, like that should be enough. Yeah, but you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't. So I was kind of bitter too, you know. And Harley gave me his blessing to move back home, and he still used me afterwards, and he'd still get me WWE tryouts and extra work. So when you're talking about Harley, like. Would he tell you stories? Like, what did you learn from him? Because, as you know, yes, tackle, drop down, leapfrog, get yep. it again. Very important. But when you're around a guy like Harley Race, you're not just learning bumps and high spots. Right. There's a vibe and a tradition and a respect for the business and a history that's there. Yeah. So what, what kind of stuff like that did you learn from him? The number one thing was always be humble. Because even though he's Harley Race, he's still humble. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you're humble, you're going to go a long way. I also learned to tell a story in the ring. You know, um, people always complain on Ring of Honor, spot, 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 spot. But if you really watch matches, it, it's not. There's a story being told. We just have so much time to tell this story. Mm-hmm. You know, and I learned that with Harley. Like, you know, when you get in the ring, here's how you can call a match in the ring. Here's the story you want to tell. And then I learned the business side of it. Because when I was with Trevor and stuff, it was just get out there and work as much as you can. Who cares about paydays? But now that I'm with Harley, I learned how to talk to promoters, how to ask for money, how to get more bookings, more than one. Never ask for just one booking, ask for three. Hey, give me three chances. If I can't do it in three chances, you know, I'm not going to be able to, then you don't need me. Hmm. But I might stink to bed the first match, the second match I may do really good, and the third match I may blow those other two out of the water. Right. Yeah. And Stuff then, like that that you wouldn't think about. Nope, but Harley taught me that. And he'd be like, always ask for $50 less than you normally would ask for for the three matches. Then sit, tell the promoter you can sit down at the third match, and that's when you throw the real money at them. Hmm. And that's how I started making money in wrestling. You know what I mean? Because if you think about wrestling, it's a lot like tryouts, like acting. It's like bands. You've got to go and, and try out sometimes. And even if you're booked on an indie show, that, that promoter, if you don't have a TV following behind you, you're just random indie guy that looks like everybody else. So you have to make yourself different. 
You know what I mean? And the way I made myself different was one, I could move. Two, I knew how to talk to him in a business sense. I wasn't there for a hobby. I was there to make money. Hmm. You know, this is this is what been my dream since I was seven years old. I want to support my family with it. You know, it took me 13 years to get to that point, <laughs> but I got to that point. But dude, that's such good advice. And I'm smiling at this because it, it, you know, a lot of guys will come in. A, a friend of mine is, he's just starting to get involved in the music world on a local basis, and, and he was talking about playing a, a festival somewhere you know 50 miles from calgary and he's like you know yeah they're not gonna pay me so i'm not gonna go i was like no 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 no, you don't make money the first time or the second time but you go show them how good you are and mm -hmm. then the next one maybe they'll give you something or give you more and that's what that's a great piece of advice from harley like don't come in yeah. there asking for i want a thousand dollars who the hell are you yeah okay give me five hundred dollars and then see how it goes and then at the end of the day you know whatever it may be so that's smart. Yeah, and then you also have your merch. You know, mm -hmm. he'd always tell me, never leave the car without your merch. Have your t-shirt, have your pictures and stuff. And I actually learned from Steve Carino later on, you should get a, pic a new t-shirt and a new promo picture every three months. Really? Yeah, because then every three months, something new comes out. So that person that already bought your one shirt, three months later, they're buying another shirt. Smart. Yeah. That's why I always change my <laughs> hairstyle, my tights, because for action figures. Yep. I have probably, I maybe almost 300 now, they keep putting them out because there's always a new outfit or a new look. Yeah. That they have to relate to. You know, they can't just use the same mold over and over again. Exactly. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So when you finally moved away from Harley and you went back to Wisconsin yep. area. Yep. Uh, first of all, so so here's what I'm, I'm picking up. And I want you to tell me this first and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Uh, so you said this is your dream since you were seven to be in the business. Who are you watching in this area or, or who did you see that was kind of really putting that thought in your head? My first experience with wrestling, my uncle actually took me to the first live wrestling show, which is not too far from where we're at right now. It's like called Merrill, show? Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. It's a fair show. It was an AWA fair show. And the main event was supposed to be Abdul the Butcher versus Bruiser Brody. What year is this? Oh, God. This got to be 85, 84. Oh, my gosh. You must have been I mean, really young. I was only like six or seven. Gotcha. And Abby canceled for some reason. Stan Hansen was champion at the time. So it was Stan Hansen versus Bruiser Brody. And they brawled right past me. And I remember Brody just standing over me. And to me, he looked like 11 feet tall. And he yeah. had blood coming down and sweat. And I looked at my uncle and went, this is amazing. <laughs> and that, that started my obsession because I wanted to see more of Brody. Mm -hmm. And then I found out about WWF. And I found out, you know, um, I actually, as I got older, I found out about tape trading. And Brody was real famous in Japan. So then I got into a lot of the Japanese guys. It's funny that you say that because we're just right near, I think this week is the 30th anniversary of, of Brody's, Brody's death. Yeah. yeah. I just did a show with Dave Meltzer about Bruiser Brody. So he's, he's on the tip of my tongue right now as well. Yeah. And like, I remember just going around looking for tapes of Brody and all that. And through Brody, I, I got introduced to Cactus Jack. Hmm. And then I kind of latched onto him because he was like the modern day Brody, if you think about it. Cause and a bigger guy, too. Exactly. Built more like you than Brody who's tall and thick. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Foley was like the guy for me, you know. And then I had like the other guys where it was like the Freebirds I love because I love the rock and roll. You know, I'm, I love rock and roll. And I love the Bad Street. And Terry Gordy was a big guy and he could move, you yes, know. Yes, he could. Yeah. And then you had Buddy Roberts with the hair, you know, and all that. And I love doing that. So I, I uh, you know, I just always latched onto stuff. But like. Mm. Brody was the go-to guy, and then Foley was right after that. It's interesting because I'm, I'd say, probably eight or nine years older than you because I also grew up, I grew up in Winnipeg, mm -hmm. which was another AWA stronghold. And what the first thing I saw, like I said, when 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 uh, when, when uh, the Ring of Honor uh, office sent me the list of guys that were on the cruise, I had no idea it was going to be so many people. Like, I thought it would be 10 or 12. He just kept sending me name after name after name. Yeah. And some, obviously, we know. And then I saw Beer City Bruiser 
And I saw a picture of him. I'm like, you really, to me, without even seeing your work, it's a real crusher, yep. uh, Ray Stevens type of a vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, and the crusher was huge in the AWA and in Winnipeg because he was just a cigar chomping guy. All the people liked him because he's I'm going to take a keg of beer and walk down <laughs> Portage in Maine and Winnipeg when I win the title with everyone behind me. Yep. You know, and that really is kind of like, it seems like you have a modern day version of that. Yeah. Um, when I came up with the character, the Beer City Bruiser, I right away switched to trunks because you didn't see big guys like me in trunks. That's right. You know what I mean? And they all wore those back in the day. Yeah. The pressure, yeah. yeah. Bruiser. Yeah. And I remember um, my father-in-law, um, who, who's passed on, his favorite wrestler was, was Crusher. So I'd always get him like the best of DVDs for like Father's Day or birthday gifts. And yeah, it was yeah. always Crusher. So we had to stay up late with him. And I'm, I always admire the Crusher. Mm. And then growing up in Waukesha, you go to South Milwaukee and Crusher's everywhere. In fact, the bar he used to drink at, his bar stool is like bronzed or something Even like that. Even still, wow. Yeah. And then they're building a statue for him. They just raised a bunch of money for a statue. So he literally is one of Milwaukee's most famous yeah. exports. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's cool. And, uh, Coming up with the idea, I talked a lot with Steve Carino, and I'm like, man, I really want to emulate the Crusher. And he goes, well, here's what you do. Crusher's the guy who made Milwaukee famous. You be the guy that reinvented Milwaukee. Hmm. I'm like, okay. He goes, come out with the cur- the keg and the cigar, and people right away will put the two of you together. You don't doesn't matter how you work. Just you walk out yeah. like that, and right away, Milwaukee, they're going to think you're the Crusher. Yeah. And then you start doing your promos and stuff like that, and everyone's like, oh, my God. And that's kind of how the evolution of the Beer City Bruiser became. That's what great. Is. Yeah. yeah. How how did you end up in Ring of Honor then? Because obviously, right now, Ring of Honor is massive. And like yeah. I said, like, um, and we'll talk about the crews and that sort of stuff. But there's so many people on it, and everybody's got some steam. Everyone's got an angle. Everyone's got a fan base. So it's very, very uh, important and smart and good to be in Ring of Honor right now. Yeah. When I when I was going through the Indies, I moved back home, and I was on top of the Indies locally, and I was still going to Missouri and stuff like that. And I was kind of comfortable where I was at, and I met my wife. And um, my father-in-law was a huge fan of mine. And he grew up in the era before, of like... Before you met him? No, no, no. Oh. When I met him. Oh, when you met him. Okay. Because he came to shows. Because he's a big racing fan and wrestling fan. That typical redneck, you know, country yeah, yeah. boy is what he was. Yeah, yeah. So coming to shows, he'd always tell me, like, why don't you do more? You know, and my wife would always push me, do more. And I, you know, and I was like, like you know Get what? out there more? Yeah, like, and then uh, Ring of Honor had a tryout camp. My father-in-law says, why don't you do this tryout camp? And I said, I don't want to. I've done the camps. I've always done the camps and just gone. And, you know, you're a big guy. You can work really good. And that was it. Let me just you tell know? a quick story here. I'm putting some uh, ice in your <laughs> cup with my hand. I was in a, motor, uh, a limousine with Motorhead once. And Lemmy said, did you want a shot of whiskey? And I said, sure. And he reached into the well and pulled out some ice and threw it in the glass like I just did. And I was thinking, well, hopefully the straight whiskey will kill any germs that are on his hands. <laughs> so hopefully it's the same for you with, with vodka. I did wash my hands, though, so we're okay. I, I've drank in some really shady bars, so I'm not worried about what it. Was the, what was the story that Harley said about drinking? So Kevin Sullivan was recently in town, yeah. and I did a bottle of Jameson with him. Uh-huh. And he goes, man, kid, you really know how to drink like the old guys. I said, yeah, I learned to drink from Harley. Because <laughs> Harley would go to the bar and he doesn't, he'd drink beer every once in a while, but he's a scotch guy. Yeah. And I hate scotch. Oof, me too. But I'm not going to piss Harley off. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned to drink straight scotch. The first, uh, <laughs> well, the first bunch of times I went to Japan, they really like dark beer there. Yeah. And uh, what they would do at night sometimes is like they would call you if it was New Japan a few times. Uh, Yes, uh, Jericho-san, Choshu wants to drink with you. I was like, okay. And you'd go like like two or three guys that were chosen to go drink with Ricky Choshu. 
Oshu, who's one of the biggest stars ever, and yeah. he'd be like, hey, here's your beer, and it's like this dark beer, and I hate it, and <laughs> could barely drink it down, but I drank it down, like, oh, you like another dark beer? I'm like, can I get off the dark beer <laughs> train and get something else here? But like you say, you don't want to insult yeah, anyone. Like, yeah, like, it's yeah. Harley. What am I going to say? No? Like, <laughs> yeah. he's going to make me do it anyways. <laughs> did you ever drink with Harley? Like, uh, like you mentioned that you did. Was there really any good stories of that? Oh, yeah, I got a couple. Um, we'll go back to what we were talking about, too. But Yeah, yeah. the Harley stories. One time we were at 4th of July, and Harley told everyone to BYOB. We had, like, six or seven cases of beer. And there was maybe ten of us there. Right. By the end of the night, we had to go get more beer because mm-hmm. that was gone. And then Harley ended up pulling out uh, Crown Royal he really liked too so we were doing Crown Royal shots along with our beer (laughs) well then the fireworks started going off and Harley was those aren't fireworks and he went inside and I don't know if you knew this but Harley's a big gun collector he didn't know huge gun collector so he comes out with a sawed off shotgun he goes watch this I'll sink that boat right there and he starts loading the shotgun (laughs) BJ comes over and takes the gun away from him goes Harley race you know you're not you're drunk you're not gonna do this and we're all giggling and she walks inside and he pulls out a 45 and goes, I wonder what she's going to do with this. Almost <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he's going to shoot us. <laughs> this is the famous Harley race story of like a, with a big cigar just sitting in a chair. Hey, kid, what's your finish? <laughs> yep. Uh, it's a diving headbutt from the top rope. And the punchline is. I'll move. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've always heard what's your finish, and you'll say it and you go, I'll kick out. <laughs> Either or, right? <laughs> Do you still talk to Harley? I have. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, this last tryout camp, Ring of Honor sent me down as a coach. Okay. To show that, hey, this camp works. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a product of the camp. Um, mm-hmm. Not only am I a product of the camp, but I'm a product of the Harley Race school. Right, right. So they really liked that I went down there, and, and it was me. Um, Rocky Romero from uh, um, New Japan, Gato from New Japan, mm-hmm. uh, and Steve Crino from WWE. So we were all the coaches and stuff, and I thought that was awesome. Like, yeah, for sure. He, here I was, you know, years ago, that real nervous guy, and now I'm, and now I'm a coach. I remember I told the guys, like, I know you're all nervous. You don't look it, but I know you are. You think you're all being judged. I said, just do your best. No one's getting a job right now. Learn and become better. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's what I did. Yeah. So I, I got to see him then, and uh, he wasn't doing as well yeah, as he used yeah, to. Yeah, he's getting he's getting a little yeah. bit uh, yeah slower. He's always kind of in the chair. Yeah. But it's funny. Last time I saw him was at one of the shows in St. Louis, and he's you know, I always go say hi to him. I, I I don't I never had any real you know relations with him, but I always make sure to go say hi because yeah. that's one of the ultimate brothers of all time yeah and every time i shake his hand he's you know he's kind of the frail old man but he will shake the shit out of your hand man he has the largest hands yes. in the world and yes. he, he used to he's a registered chiropractor or used to be mm. so if we ever got hurt during camp or our backs really? were hurt, he would work on us oh no kidding it was the most painful thing you've ever <laughs> experienced my yeah. dad used to play uh pro hockey played in the nhl for 10 years yeah uh, but his minor league days he was in oklahoma city and he told a story about one night he, they went out to the bar and the, and the boys were in there. It was like you know, the Oklahoma Blazers against the Russells. And he said he was toe-to-toe. He goes, I was toe-to-toe with this guy. And he had curly blonde hair. And he smoking a cigar. And they, we were pushing each other. And finally they broke it up. And I was like, yeah, I'm lucky I don't kick your ass. And then <laughs> found out it was Harley Race. I was like, it's probably lucky you didn't get in a fight with yeah. him. Although old school hockey, old time <laughs> hockey and old time wrestling would be an interesting fight. I still tell everybody now after that camp, they all, you know, even with Harley being as frail as he is, could probably still kick anyone's ass. Stu Hart was like that too. Yeah. If Stu got a hold of you, I always yeah. said he's like some kind of a weird, like, demon that sits in a chair, and if you touch it, it just goes. 
you know, like it would just yes. suck you up and just tear you up you know but that's those guys they know what to do and they were like you know and, I, and we can talk Harley stories all day but yeah flair told me that when the guy who was in charge of the nwa in the in the 80s not bob geigel but might have been bob geigel somebody much nick much nick geigel yeah, one yeah. of those guys when they sent him to japan to work with baba for the NWA Championship, they sent Harley with him as his bodyguard to be his bodyguard. Yep, Harley told me that. Story. Yes, and what we're saying to everybody listening, we're not talking bodyguard like mm -hmm. a gimmick. He always oh, my bodyguard. Like he was put there. Yep. If anybody tried to shoot on Flair and take the pin yep. to steal the belt, Harley was to come in and kick the guy's ass. If you watch the video, Harley's sitting where the ring announcer is, and he told us that him and Flair had a signal. Where if Flair gave the signal, Harley would slide in the ring. Wow. Yeah, like Harley said, yeah, I, I was waiting for the signal. Flair never gave me the signal, so it was all he business. probably got a hell of a payoff to, <laughs> to go there and be the policeman. I remember asking, I said, Harley, so you got paid just to go to Japan and sit in a chair? He's like, it's good money, kid. <laughs> no bumps. <laughs> so we were talking about how you got into Ring of Honor. Right. You said that your, your, your father-in-law was saying you got to go do more. Right. And then... um. So the tryout camp came and went, and I didn't do it. And then uh, in June of 2013, we lost him. He passed away. And uh, it was a real hard time for because he was like the father. We always called him the, the father for wayward souls because a lot of the boys have problems at home or their dads weren't in their lives or in my area. Um, my dad was always in my life, but there's a couple guys that weren't. And Jim, that's my father-in-law, would fill that role for these guys. So like, if we do road trips and stuff, I'd, we'd all meet at his house. After shows, we go to his house for barbecues or pig roasts, or he lived in this big country, so we had a bonfires. So when he passed, like it, it shocked the Wisconsin wrestling world. So um, we're going over his will, and the lawyer goes, "Well, who, who's you know?" And he, he says my name, and I says, "Oh, that's me." He says, "Well, there's money in here, but the only way you can do it is to do a tryout camp." I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "There's money set aside, and the only way you get it is doing a Ring of Honor tryout camp." I was like, really? And we looked at the money. The lawyer said that? The lawyer. In really? his will, he left money for my flight, money for my rental car, money for my hotel, and money for the tryout camp. And the only way we could touch that money is me doing it. Wow. In October of that year, I told my wife, I'm doing it. Like, this is a sign, you know? And I said, but I'm not going to go just to be a guy. I'm going to go to be the guy. I want to be the guy that everyone talks about. You know what I mean? There's always a campus. That one guy sticks out for a good reason. There's a one guy that sticks out for the bad. I want to be the guy that sticks out for the good. And, and uh, I told Carino, I'm like, this is my opportunity to kick that door wide open. So when I went, uh, it was a two-day two tryout. And the office people came up after me. And they're like, we definitely want you. You're going to be in the top prospect tournament. Nice. Yeah, because I, I literally said, I'm not just going to be a guy. I'm going to be the guy. So what did you do to stand out and be the guy? I was my character the whole time. Beer you know? City Bruiser. Yeah, I was the Beer City Bruiser the whole time. So and tell I, me some of the character traits. Uh, when I'm in the ring, I don't call it a ring. I call it my bar. And you're in my bar. And then I, I had a match with Will Ferreira, tryout match, which they actually had us do in the semifinals of the top prospects. It was so good at the tryout camp. They wanted again for TV. Did you know each other? Nope. That's always awesome. And we called in the ring. That's great. Really? Yeah. That's a lost art too, dude. Yeah. Yeah, calling it in the ring. And, and it was a typical little guy, big guy thing where he tried to, to, we did a suplex instead of a body slam and he couldn't get me up, couldn't get me up. Then finally he gets me up, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, so I did that, and then anytime I'd put him in the corner, I'd start beating on him. I'd accuse him of stealing my beer. I know it was you who stole my beer. You know, and this is like the pre 
Ring of Honor Glitz and Glam Beer City Bruiser side. I didn't have the cigar. I didn't have the keg. <laughs> That's the good Glitz and Glam. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just had me. Yeah. You know, and uh, I didn't do like he tried to chain wrestle me, and I push him away. No, this is a fight. We don't, I don't wrestle. Let's fight. Mm. So he tried to chain wrestle again. I push him off, and I punch him in the face. No, you can be a man. Fight me, you know. And uh, that's just how it, it came about. And, like, it stuck out where they literally said, hey, you stuck out. Like, we will always remember you. And I was in the top prospect, and the rest is history. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So when you join the Ring of Honor roster, because like I said, like, and, and this is not a slight because we, we hear so much mm-hmm. and I don't get a chance to watch Ring of Honor or any wrestling, but you hear all about, you know, Cody, Bucks, Dalton Castle, Lethal, like kind of the upper, upper, upper echelon guys. Mm-hmm. Don't hear a lot about the Beer City Brewers and the Matt Tavens. And now that, you know, a Silas Young and, and all these guys, and now that you guys are on my cruise, I've researched all. Yeah. You see, like, everybody's working hard. Everybody's doing good. So... How often do you work with Ring of Honor, and what are some of the career highlights that you've had there? I'm on every show with Ring every of Honor. Every show they do. Yeah, it, so, it started out with me just doing TV, then it went to me doing TV and some house shows, and then it was on every house show, every TV, and then it went to every show. And it went from me working nightly basis to a contract. Great. Yeah. So now I make my living wrestling. Like, That's awesome. Yeah, it took me 13 years, but I did it. You know, mm-hmm. I support my family wrestling. And it, in uh, my career highlights, man, I got so many. I got to go to Japan for the Honor Rising tour. I got is, that, to, is it with New Japan? Yep. I got to wrestle Hiroki Goto in, in Japan in Corican Hall for the Never Openweight title, mm-hmm. which was amazing. That's huge, yeah. Yeah. I famous Corican Hall. Yeah. I got to wrestle one of their young boys the next night, and then they put me in a three-way because uh, Dalton Castle's hurt and Trent Beretta was hurt, and Gato called me out of everybody else as Bruiser. Bruiser's on you please and i said yes gato whatever you need he's mm. sure and uh after the match he walks up and goes you're no longer bruiser i said no he goes no you're workhorse <laughs> so i guess in japan you don't work more than once a night i guess it's a rare it's thing a tournament or something yeah right uh, on a, just a house show yeah no and i did and you know and, and i did a lot the second match because both dalton and trent were hurt so they couldn't be in there for every spot and i was mm. and i'd already worked previously right 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 and then um, in Toronto, I got to work Naido a week before you worked him. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, you worked with him? Oh, how was that? That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I wrestled uh, LIJ in a six-man on like a Tuesday, I think it was. And then we did in Toronto, me and him one-on-one. He's got a big head, like not a big head, like a big cranium, like an actual <laughs> yeah. big head. Yeah, because like, like, I've been I was... working biting into my thing, so I don't have any teeth. <laughs> you don't. You got a couple of you know, Ralph's <laughs> yeah. type points there. I ain't got no teeth. That's what I yell when I when I bite the guy and the ref yells <laughs> me for biting. I yell, I ain't got no teeth because we're trying to get the crowd into it. Right, right. And you're right, he's got a big head. I remember he does. biting him going, wow, this is a giant I remember when we, we, we were just kicking the shit of each other. Like, he looks like a big, giant lollipop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he worked hard for me, which... Yeah. BJ, uh, BJ Whitmer came in the locker room after the match. I always ask the guys, the, the higher-up guys, how was my match? You know, what can I work on? Because I, I always want to get better. 
And BJ goes, man, you need to go thank him because he works so hard for you. I said, what do you mean? He goes, if they don't like people, they don't work hard. Well, they will sandbag the shit out of you. Yeah. And that's what I said. A, the fact that they even put you in the ring with him is, is, a, is a vote of confidence. Yeah. And B, the fact that he did what he did is also a vote of confidence. Like he took a DVD on the apron that he called. Wow. Yeah. He took 90% of the heat, which he wanted. See, and in Japan, too, I can see you doing well there because they like big guys. You know, I mean, th- not that you need it to be like, you know, six pack of abs here, but it is more cosmetic yeah. there. They appreciate just big, beefy dudes. It was know? it was so surreal, Japan from here, because as soon as I got to the, we stayed in the Tokyo Dome Hotel. As soon as I walked in, there's fans everywhere. Yeah. And they hand you those big cardboard things to sign. Big white cardboards. Yeah. Sign these. And yeah. you're like, you know, so I'm signing it like, oh, everyone's going to sign this. They're like, no, no, big, please. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Just a little corner. Yeah, they want a big, big B. Yes. Big, big C. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then um, I was talking to uh, the booker and I'm like, and uh, Kevin Kelly, I'm like, I want to stand out. Like, I don't want to be every other American that comes through. Like, and they're like, well, remember when Gordy would come or or uh, Kevin Kelly told me this. Remember when Gordy would come or Brody would come and, th- and they'd always do something big. Like Brody had the chain, you know, and, and Gordy would come out just swinging at people. I says, yeah, he goes, you need to do something like that. So I came out and I spit beer on people mm. and they'd run away from me, yeah. which I guess is a great honor. Yeah. Well, after the show, walking from Cork and Hall to Tokyo Dome, all the fans are there. They'd walk up with beer and yen and hand it to me and I'd be like, oh, thanks. And they'd be like, no, please, please. <laughs> They wanted me to spit beer in their face. But they're going to pay you to do it. They paid me to spit beer. And then I ended up with like, you know, 24 beers <laughs> for free. So it and, takes one beer to spit. And, you know, 10,000 yen. <laughs> exactly. How much do you charge for a beer spit? It, it was only, what, 1,000 yen? Well, like hey, $10? It's 10 bucks. Yeah. Plus, you get to keep the beer. Exactly. <laughs> so I'd always tell the boys, hey, if you want to come to my room. But we'd always go out with the boys afterwards. Yeah. So I'd already come in. Kind of, you know, so I brought a bunch of beer home with me. Which <laughs> you is brought it home with you? Oh, yeah. In your bag? Yeah, I checked my bag. You can't waste beer. <laughs> no! That's there like was, a rule. There was fans uh, a bunch of times. They still come and see me back in the day. Well, I'm still a terror, but when I was even worse, there was four guys, and I used to get really drunk, and I'd, I'd get a permanent marker that they would bring, sit down, and I would draw kiss makeup on all four. You're the cat man, you're the demon, you're Paul Stanley, and you're, you're the space man. And they would like, like, no, work tomorrow, work tomorrow. Like the first, they're mortified because you can't get the stuff off. You gotta work. I'm like, well, then get the hell out of here. Yeah. And then, like you said, typical Japanese, they would come back with the markers and go, please, you yeah. work tomorrow. Yes, 6 a.m. I'm like, okay. You're like sadomasochistic. <laughs> it was just so weird. And Did then you? like, there are girls there. Like, there's one girl wanted a picture and I, okay, you look 12. And you know, like, don't, I'm not touching her. Here's my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, "No, she's 40." I'd be like, "No way!" <laughs> like all the women over there, like 10 or 11, 12. <laughs> so did you like the? What did you think about like the whole culture of Japan? Loved it. Yeah. I've always been a fan of Japanese culture, and like I said, when I was doing the tape training stuff, I used to get all the the you know the um, Japanese stuff. So I right. get a lot of the old All Japan, the Super Juniors, the the IWA Deathmatch stuff. Like I get everything. You know, and I loved it. I loved watching Kobashi. I loved work, watching Masawa, Tenru. You know, I loved watching those guys. Mm. So, like, to actually be over there and be in Cork and Hall, which is, you know, to wrestling fans is a big deal. Like, yeah. that meant a lot. And then, like, I'm a big fan of, like, Samurai and, and Temple. So, like, on our downtime, I'd actually leave my hotel room and go, go do stuff. Yeah, you can't stay in your hotel room. You know what I mean? You got to go see something. Like, I've been there a lot of times. So, to me, just being there... But when you first go somewhere, you got to get out in the street and go yeah. do some stuff. Yeah. If not, you're just taking it for granted. 
You know, I always looked at it, when I'm at a country for, for the first time, I might never come back here again. Yeah. So I want to see something memorable. Yeah. That's what yeah. I, that's the way I thought, you know, and like it went really well where Gato really liked me, you know, and, and Rocky really liked me and they told me to keep in contact and I'll be back and all that. Yeah, well, you, they know where to find you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. How, uh, <laughs> how, what was the weirdest thing for Japan for you? The people coming in my room to take pictures of me in my gear. <laughs> like the guy would be like, how much? And I said, what do you mean? And he'd be like. Are they knocking on your door? They were in the lobby and they'd stop me. They'd be like, can we take picture in gear? I says, where? And they say, your room, please. Maybe how much? And I'd, I'd, I'd heard of Silas and kind of smart me up to it. So I just tossed a random number like, oh, okay, fine. Uh-huh. Like, man, I should ask for more. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I remember sitting in my gear and I FaceTime my wife. I know she's like, why are you in your gear? I says, well, this is what's happening. She goes, you're a prostitute now. Yeah. I said, what? She goes, apartment wrestling. <laughs> exactly. That's what she equated it to. I'm like, no. <laughs> so that was the creepiest thing. Yeah. Yeah, was yeah. That. yeah. Did you, um, uh, like, Food wise, did you like the food there? I ate everything, even horse. Everything. I'm sure you ate some cat too, whether you knew it or not. I didn't know if I did. Yeah. But I loved the horse. It was uh-huh. amazing. I loved tongue. Tongue was good. Did they actually say, here's some horse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tongue is one that a lot of people don't want to try. Yeah, it was great. I love the taste of tongue, but it, I, I, the reason why I like it is I never think of it as actually being somebody's tongue. Yeah. If I do, it starts to creep me out a bit, but other than that, it's a tasty piece of meat. Juice Robinson told me dip it in the lemon thing. Yes. That lemon stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Which I still don't know the name of it because I'd love to have it over here. It's like lemon, yeah, lemon sauce. Some yeah. Lemon sauce, yeah. So dipping the tongue in that was great. And then, like I said, the horse, they, they told us it was horse. Like, they're like, they're going to, you're going to eat raw horse. And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, again, I'm going to try everything. You know, I'm, I'm not that way. I'll try it. If, if I haven't had it, I'll try it. Whatever it be. You don't know if you'd like it until you try it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you uh, started with Ring of Honor, is it, so is it just like every, like, for example, like I never worked for Ring of Honor, but, you know, WWE, you get your monthly schedule. Mm-hmm. Here's the day you leave. Here's the day you come back. Here's your plane reservations. Yep. Same thing, Ring of Honor? Same exact thing, yep. Is it usually three days a week or? Uh, yeah, normally. Um, we have some tours that are longer. Um, the longest I've been on the road with them is 10 for the War of the Worlds tour. Mm-hmm. But then, like, um, I also got because they found out I can talk, so now I'm I'm on their pre-tape list. So I always got to fly out a day early before everybody else because yeah. they, they found out I can talk. And um, we do these bonus clips, and they just have me be me. And it's basically like I can mispronounce names because I'm AKA drunk, <laughs> you know. And then uh, Mandy Leon was doing the um, it's called Circa. It's like the three count top three moments in Ring yeah, of Honor. Yeah. And she was doing it, but she had to leave for surgery. So they put me in there. So I became the exotic guzzler, beer city bruiser. <laughs> and everybody, I have everybody rolling every, every pre-tape. So they're like, oh my God, how do you come up with this stuff? Like lately Dalton's been hurt. So I'm like, oh, here's our champion. He's, you know, beer better and fried like a Friday fish fry. <laughs> to me, that's just like a normal, right? you know, but to them, they don't know what that is. If like, you oh, say it great. with conviction, you're like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like I, I said, for the cruise thing, I had to cut a promo on cheeseburger. So I told them what I'm going to do. Thank God we're in international waters because what I'm going to do to them is illegal in 13 continents. And Bubba Bully, who's there to monitor us, stopped me. He goes, you know, there's not 13 continents. And I'm like, no, I know there's seven, but I'm drunk. Play along with the uh, story here, Bully. <laughs> so then I did that. And then I said another number for countries. And he, he raises his hand and like you see the office people going, no, no, let him go. Like, it's a great promo. It seems that, uh, that Bully Ray would like your style. He loves guy. my style. Yeah. He does. He does. You're like a modern version of him in yeah. a lot of ways. And he's know? one of the guys that I go to in the locker room for mm-hmm. advice. You know, if I'm working a match, like I had one time where I had to do a, it was a TV job match and I'd always been the jobber. They're the enhancement, I guess yeah, they're called. Yeah. We know what jobbers are. Yeah. yeah. But I'd never been the guy 
in charge. You've never you been know? the guy like the winner. Yeah, the name. Or oh, the, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. so I've always been the guy on being the extra for for you know like. I've always done Sunday Night Heat where I was the extra mm -hmm. losing the team, you know, Highlanders. Right, right. So I went to Bubba. I'm Obscure. like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, how, how do I do this? Like, I'm not used to this. I'm used to, because I was always taught if you don't give the guy something, who'd you beat? Yeah, exactly. But this is TV. So, and Bubba, you're told exactly to squash him. So Bubba was like, here's how you do it. It makes sense. And that's how I learned TV, you know, like mm -hmm. TV job matches. So what's a, a Ring of Honor TV taping like? Is it long? It's very long. Yeah. A four-hour thing? or We do four episodes every taping. Wow. We got to be there five hours before first taping. So we're there, you know, noon, one o'clock. And that would mean at some points you have to work more than once in a night. Yep. I worked all four tapings one time. Yeah. And that's one... always fun when you get to that third and fourth taping. Yeah. This guy again? Jeez. But I, it teaches people why you always bring more than one pair of gear. Yeah? Yeah, I've got six pairs of gear. Yeah, and save you know, your shit throughout the night too, yep. you know. And that way, you know, it's supposed to be two weeks later. Like, why would yeah, I? Yeah. Why is he wearing? And like, my character can get away with that, but I was just taught bring more gear. You know, it's a different you know episode. And then if you're doing a promo, wear a different shirt. Wear you know. Sure, of course. Yeah. Those little things make a difference. Yeah, you know, yeah. always have the the, the David Lee Roth wardrobe changes. Exactly. You know I, mean? <laughs> yes. I was just watching some Iron Maiden videos from this tour, and Bruce because is changing his costume every song. Yeah. That keeps people engaged. Yeah. You know, like we said earlier with the different types of action figures, always change. Yeah. And I, I remember going to concerts like a Brett Michaels was poison. Brett Michaels kept changing. Yeah. And I never got it. And then, you know, I never thought about it, but it was like, okay, yeah. Like that's the reason why. Yeah, exactly. You want to see what they come out with. Well, yeah. Yeah. And you want, it, it keeps you interested in, mm -hmm. in, in, in everything. So you joined Ring of Honor in 13 or 14? For, uh, it was 15, 2000 Prospect 15. So have you seen... So he passed away in 13. I did the tryout camp in 14, October 14, and then I did the prospect in 15. So have you seen the company... How have you seen the company grow? Oh, it's been growing amazingly. I've seen us go from little buildings to huge buildings, and, and it's so fun to be on that ride. Um, I was there like right when the Young Bucks started coming back around. This was before being the Elite. And then I got to be around when they started being the elite. So I got to see how they're great guys because they, they, they're doing that for themselves, but they also do it for Ring of Honor because they do care about the locker room. They want all of us to be they successful. They include a lot of guys. Yeah. Have you been on being the elite? Oh, yeah. no, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Um, but I, I've worked the Young Bucks numerous times. Yeah. And I remember the first time I worked, I'm like, oh, grab me blown up and all this. And it's like, no, like they have There's their stuff. a lot stuff. of psychology, yeah. They have their stuff. You have your stuff. And they know how to work with yeah. you. Like they knew my moveset, which impressed me because they went mm. out of their way to learn my moveset. And they worked their moveset in with mine and Silas's moveset and it made sense mm. you know and then like I worked Cody one time and, and I remember when Cody came in you're like oh great he's gonna be one of those guys that was up for New York yeah he's gonna come in and this isn't New York like this isn't WWE he's gonna change it <laughs> and Cody wasn't that way yeah Cody was all for Ring of Honor well, he was on a mission yeah he wanted to prove himself in, in that world and, and like a, a lot of us like you said us undercard guys we've been benefiting from that getting bigger you know because it Contracts. There's contracts now. That's huge. Yeah. And B, like the houses are going up. We went from like a 2,000 seat building one time to like a nine, eight, nine thousand, four thousand, whatever it is. Yeah. Like I remember my first Supercard of Honors, like our WrestleMania. And I remember our first one was a 2,000 seat building. This last one we just did, I think, was like 6,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was, you know, that's what, three years? That's no, a see, big thing. And like you said, the contracts is huge. The fact it's on Sinclair 
which is a um, you know syndicated station, but it's a strong network. I yep. think they just bought Tribune Network as well. And WGN. There's so much money around now. You know, it's a di- it's, it's the dawn of a new world for the boys. Yep. When you're talking about the the deal that the WWE just signed, and now New Japan is trying to break into the United States, so they're going to have to up the ante, or else WWE will steal them, and Ring yep. of Honor will steal. You know, it's 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 a really good time to be involved and be be hot right now. And what's great is Ring of Honor's got such a good re- working relationship with New Japan and CMLL, where you have those fans that just know New Japan, so the crossover helps. But the crossover also helps New Japan because they have that their show on Axis, I think it is. Yeah, of course. So now in American fans that don't know New Japan through Ring of Honor can find these guys and watch it. Sure. The streaming service has gone up in the yep. States as well. And we now have a streaming service, the Honor Club. Yeah. Which is great because now house shows. Remember how when you used to work house shows, you could do take it easy because yeah. the house show? Not no Not more. <laughs> Every show counts, yep. brother. No more house show Every spots. Show <laughs> Speaking of which, so... How did you find out that you were on the cruise? Were you asked? Were you told? See, I haven't talked to anybody. Yeah. Uh, that, and I asked a couple guys myself, and the rest was like, here's who's coming. It's just like, name, 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 guy, guy. <laughs> I was like, how many dudes are you sending? Oh, we got chicks too. Like, so many people are coming on it. So how was that for you? When they when they announced it, um, I was like, okay, they're going to take the normal, normal crew of guys. You know, like, I'm not going to be on that. And then, um, like, two weeks after they announced the first round of guys... I got a text from the office. They're like, we're 80% sure we got you on the cruise. Do you want to do it? And I says, yeah, why wouldn't I want to do it? Yeah. And they're like, okay, we'll text you later. We have to reach out to Jericho and his people. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I got people. <laughs> yeah, you got people. <laughs> and then they came back and they're like, Jericho and his people approved it. You're on the cruise. I was like, awesome. <laughs> so we, I was like, great. We, like, now, let me tell you, from my side of the coin, was that uh, Hunter sent me a list of all the people that were on. I was like, this is a lot of people, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I was excited just by the, the number of it all. Yeah. So I was like, I, I didn't go through and go, approved, not approved. Approved. So I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah. bring everybody if you can. Yeah, yeah. and like, I was like, super excited. Like, um, you said Hunter, he's done so much for me in Ring of Honor. You know, like, he's given me opportunities that I couldn't you know i could only dream of that's great yeah and i thank him all the time you know i thank him and then the whole booking committee for because they listen to our ideas we have ideas you know and some ideas they use some ideas they don't but mm-hmm. like i've got to work such greats as like jay lethal you know we, i silence in that program at dalton castle when i started you know dalton and i started in ring of honor at the same time you know what i like about uh what hunter does is he he does what WWE used to do and they kind of still do but it's not quite the same as everybody has a spot on the show yeah everybody's got a gimmick everybody's got something yeah you know i remember like when i first was reading you know results from your shows i just see cheeseburger and i'm like what is that like i'm just the name alone i'm like cheeseburger like that's the best name ever and then i see the guy and i'm like what? <laughs> I just saw the drummer of Godsmack outside. I, I called him a human drumstick. <laughs> Cheeseburger's skinnier than the human drumstick from Godsmack. Yeah. Shannon Larkin. But then you see kind of what you do with a cheeseburger. And then, you know, cheeseburger's got kind of the pimp costume now and yeah. all that sort of thing. It's like, that's how you build a character. So you're taking anybody that's available and using them to the utmost of their abilities, which then gets them over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, that- and my first feud in Ring of Honor was with Cheeseburger. Oh, okay. Because they're like, what, oh. goes, what goes better, beer and burgers? 
So they're were you guys like, a team at some point? No, we okay. were never a team. Okay. That was the thing. Is, Beer and is, Burgers, that's the name. The whole angle came up where he wanted to be my partner, but why would I, you know, I'd look at him like, why would I, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just started teaming with Silas because he's the last real man and what do real men drink? Well, Beer. Well, whiskey, but beer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, well, what if we put cheeseburger with you guys? And we're like, what if you tried to put them with us, but we don't like them? Mm. You know, like that's more like him wanting because he knows, you know, beer and burgers go really well. But if we say no, like screw him. Like, yeah, yeah. And then have me and him work. And then eventually he beats me and, and it's a big thing. And that's what they did. And it was great. And so now when they announced the Sea of Honor tournament, my first round, I remember going up going, this is great. And me and Burger were, this is going to be fun. <laughs> like, it's, it's first be- round is Beer City Bruiser versus Cheeseburger. Yep. And we're re- revisiting, you know, when we both first started with Ring of Honor. That's you know? so great, man. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing that, like, you know, putting together this cruise, and it took me a long time, like, two years to put it together. Like, we played the Kiss Cruise in 15. Okay. And we announced two years later in 17. But in the meantime, I mean, I lost my ship and I didn't know it had this person, this thing, and this is bad. And this didn't work. This didn't work. But to finally get to the point now that we're starting to announce matches and like, because we always have the idea of the Sea of Honor tournament. Hey, sounds good on paper. Mm-hmm. But now that we have the first round, well, there's all these names around, but there's still the names. So then we've got, you know, now it's Sammy and Marty. And now yeah. it's the Bucks of Jericho or is it Y2 Jackson versus who will announce that in, in, in a few weeks as well. But it's like when it, you see it, come, and I'm not a promoter. I never wanted to be. <laughs> but I wanted to start this new thing that I wanted to be an annual destination vacation. You and it's know? an amazing thing. Like, it's the concept of it, right? I know a couple people that are, are they bought their tickets already. Nice. Um, they waited to see what the first bracket was. And really? The first bracket was announced. They said, That's cool. Um, I know a couple couple bought their tickets because the Impractical Jokers, you know, yeah. they're fans of them. And then there was like six, it was about eight people that just saw me on an indie show. And I was just there visiting friends and stuff. And they walked up and they're like, hey, we just got our tickets. You know, what cabin are you in? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. They're like, we, we, they announced to see a tournament. We have to watch, you know, uh, Adam Page and so-and-so and you and Berger and and Silas and Flip, like, we have to see that. Like, and it's not going to be broadcast anywhere. We got you in a, in a, in a back room on the, on, the poop, on the poop deck. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. As long as no, there's beer, I'm okay. But that's what I mean. And that's the cool thing about it. Like, that, 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 like I think people are still figuring out, like, what this is. Yeah. You know, because from what we're selling, we're not sold out, but we're still moving to where, where we're going to. Yeah. And, and, and the cruise people that I'm working with, like, we've never had this before. Usually it sells out in two months or it doesn't and it just dies. But it's like... It's different with wrestling. We're announcing mm-hmm. the names. Yep. Like, if you go in the Kiss Cruise, okay, Kiss is playing. They don't have to announce the set list to get people to buy. They're going or they're not. For right. us, okay, well, what are the matches? Well, here's the first round. And then people start thinking, oh, well, this is the first round. These guys might be the semifinal. This could be the final. And that's kind of like, and now we're announcing the live talk as Jericho's. And now these other yeah. Impact versus Ring of Honor and all these other things. So I wanted to make it like a really cool the promotion never ends yeah and the best thing about it is you guys what i liked about it my wife actually pointed this out you released the brackets like a march madness bracket wait that's yeah and like i I don't know whose idea it was but it's genius because now you have fans not only wanting to go to see it but they're they're making their choices and i think that's why march madness is so because i'm not a basketball fan yeah but i do a bracket every year you, the possibilities. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's the way that I wanted to do it. I think Hunter and I discussed it, but 
a lot of times you see tournaments, especially in wrestling, where they don't do that because yeah. they just kind of make it up as they go. Just give me the first round and let's do <laughs> round robin, bracket A, bracket B. And I know where it's going because Hunter told me, but if you look at it all, it's like there's a lot of possibility. And this, and this is just... 50% of the guys on board, there's no Young Bucks in that. There's exactly. no Cody in that. There's no Kenny in that. Yep. Um, you know, and now that we brought the Impact guys on, there's a whole multitude yeah. of, of thoughts and ideas that we can do, which, like I said, I got to keep people stimulated so that every day something new comes up. Like, well, I got to go now. Yeah. I got to go now. I got to go now. And so. that's not even factoring in the comedians, the podcast, podcast the, rock the, the rock bands. You know, we got a festival lineup on our own. Yeah. Just with the rock bands. Yeah. So. And like festivals, I like like I said, I was talking to you earlier. Like I, my wife and I haven't. I've been on the road so much. We haven't been to a concert in years. In fact, we were all just talking about it coming up. The last live concert we saw, I think, was like two years ago. It was Caesar. Okay. It was like two years ago. Yeah. But I, you know, she, she can't be mad at me because I'm on the road making money. So yeah. it's not like oh, supporting the family. Yeah. yeah. So when this came up, and I, you know, hey, I have off. Like, all right, you know, it's like, rare too. Because what do we today? It was Thursday. Yeah. You got to go to work tomorrow. No, I'm off the whole. So I'm here all three days. For wow. This, yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'm, and and Saturday, like, I might just take it for me and her, like, leave because we got a bunch of friends. I got some friends here today, and then tomorrow there's more people coming. You know, so you get, like a hotel close there. You no, camping, they or? live. They live. Oh, you live close. They, great. Not me. My my okay, friends. Gotcha. They live maybe 20 minutes. Not even 10 minutes. Like we could walk here if we wanted to. So you excited? You saw Fozzie today. Well, Fozzie was amazing, by the way. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, I've never seen you guys live. I, I obviously, when your first album came out, I bought it because of you, right? Because you're Chris Jericho, right? When the second album came out, I bought it because of Fozzie. That's cool, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's how you know you guys are doing good. Is yes, you're Chris Jericho. But after listening to the music, you fall in love with Fozzie. Well, and that's the way it needs to be. Yeah. If not, then it wouldn't last. And long. I think Judas is the best album you guys have put well, up. Thanks, dude. Like I, I said, that's my favorite song. You guys played it first. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can we go kick home it now. off. Right <laughs> and like I was telling you earlier, our bus broke down on the side of the road, and it, it would move five feet and then stop, move. So we got to the point because I was here with our tour manager Sam, and they told us if your bus is not here in ten minutes, you guys are pulled from the show. And I was like, can't you just like put Devil Driver on first? And we're like, in wrestling, that's going to be like, hey, Beer City, is, uh, the Bruiser's not going to make it. Jericho, you go on first. Yeah. No problem. How long do you need? Keep going until he gets here. Yeah, we'll, you know? we'll put the pencil in the ear. We want you to go home. We, they, don't, they don't do that on rock and roll shows. So for you to see the show today, which was a great show, that was a perfect example, much like when yeah. you have a, a team, same with, with wrestling. And that includes the agents, producers, you know, ring guys, everything. Yeah. We had... 20 minutes to get the shit on the stage yeah. and we did it and that's that's true teamwork which is always kind of cool. and i heard you joking around with the lighting guy too about some with the lights and yeah. it's like you know what like, and i told you i i didn't i couldn't tell from the whole production to you guys performing i couldn't tell you guys had problems well you know dude i mean okay yeah. your flight is late so you gotta oh, put yeah. your gear on in the taxi and right from the car <laughs> which i mean here i'll be there at 9 55 you're on at 10 walk in and See in the ring, kid. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you got to be professional. You have to. So uh, as we wind down here, who, who are some of your favorite bands? Uh, I grew up, my parents were really good. They made me grow up with like the Doors, Pink Floyd, Meatloaf. That was all real good. But my, the band that, two bands that really speak to me were Pearl Jam and Tool. Like, oh, wow. I'm a big Maynard fan. I love Tool. Whenever I was down in the dumps, I'd either go to wrestling or I'd go to Tool. Um, and then Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder is just, I love how they've transformed their band so much over the years. They've been relevant for 
25, 26 years. At least, yeah. You know what I mean? And and I was cursed with them where I would never see them live because like I had tickets for them one time and like I was in a car accident, so I couldn't see it. Then I had tickets another time and like I broke up with a girl I was gonna go with, so she ripped them off. And then <laughs> there was one time I was supposed to go and they my my mom had them in the glove compartment. Mm-hmm. So like my ex-girlfriend actually bought me tickets. There's a festival called Summerfest that is in Milwaukee every year. And uh, she got me tickets to Pearl Jam. And I'm like, I'm, not until Eddie Vedder walks out on that stage do I believe I'm seeing Pearl Jam. And as soon as he walked out with this bottle of champagne says, you know, welcome, you know, hello, Milwaukee, that's when I lost it. I'm like, all right. And I've seen him like four or five times since. You, but I've did, never seen Tool. Did you watch the documentary PJ20? Oh, yeah. Yep. Just to see how insane he used to be, like a festival stage, like today yeah. where he's monkey, sh- monkey walking, mm-hmm. uh, monkey shimming, whatever you call it, across the top of the stage, hanging from the rafters, yep. fist over fist. I, could, I forgot how <laughs> insane he was. And I went through a small phase where I'm like, I'm going to do this. Even today, there was the scaffolding where you walk up the side. I'm like, yeah. hey, we're in the first band. I'm not going to do a moonsault <laughs> from the top rope on first. If we're on last, I'd be singing the whole damn set from up there. The guy with me goes, how long? Until he puts the uh, bass player in the uh, walls. See, people of always say that. Yeah, I was like, the answer, buddy, never, that. never. That's <laughs> when when Fozzie first started. Everyone thought like we'd be on stage, you know, talking, <laughs> singing about top turnbuckles, and yeah. you know, I'm gonna drop kick you, man. I'm like, listen, Bruce Dickinson's a pilot. Doesn't mean he sings songs about small bags of peanuts. And I got a middle seat today. Yeah, like, it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. Uh, two last questions. Oh, Dusty sucks eggs is the T-shirt that you're wearing. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, is that from the Terry Funk classic promo? Yep, my um sister bought this for me because I'm a big Terry Funk fan and I've, I've met Terry a bunch of times through Harley and uh, every year I still Cal- loved you oh yeah every yeah. year at Cauliflower Alley he used to try to convince me to shave my head uh-huh. he's like oh you look good and for a year for, to this day when I see him he goes how come you haven't shaved your head yet <laughs> you're getting there yeah, yeah I am God's doing that for you <laughs> he is and I tell him that too uh, but he taught me like how to sell my, my teeth when I get punched because I'm already missing teeth so most guys grab their nose or jaw it's like you should grab your teeth and mm. for 45 minutes he told me why Hmm. Now I do that, and now people actually think I lost teeth. Like in a your match. teeth are so sensitive, <laughs> exactly. They're rotten or whatever. So my my sister, who knows I'm a big Terry Funk fan, and I'm also a Dusty Rhodes fan, she went back and she had this T-shirt made for me. Oh, that's great, Dusty sucks yep. eggs. That's what Terry, Dusty Rhodes, you suck eggs, egg sucking dog. <laughs> yep. So on my birthday, I opened it, and I I freaked out, and everyone in my family is looking at me like, what? Who's Dusty? <laughs> what? what? Sucks eggs. And what? my my sister goes, that's the right one, right? That's the right <laughs> font. I'm like, you did perfect. That's the right font. She went. <laughs> The T-shirt making star where they used to they put the the, the, the hot press down. <laughs> exactly. Dusty would have liked you too, man. You're in the same yeah. mold as Dusty Rhodes as yeah, well. Yeah, he's another inspiration for yeah, me, yeah, man. Yeah. And then working with Cody is great because I hear stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm a story guy. I love when when guys before me tell me stories. Yeah. I love it. You guys, you got a good Dusty story? Uh, I've never met Dusty. But I mean that Cody told you? Uh, yeah, actually, um, the the fur coat that he wore on one of the Ring of Honor pay-per-views, his dad wore Magnum TA bought him for the, the tag tournament. And he says, here, look in here. And he, and he opens it up, and it has embroidered, and it says Dusty Rhodes. And I was like, oh, it's awesome. He goes, wait, watch this. And he opens up the other side. It says Diamond Dallas Page. What? And I'm like, wait, what? And he goes, Page took the coat from my dad and wore it, but never wore it on TV and saw the embroidery. <laughs> so he embroidered his name. And I says, okay. He goes, well, when my mom pulled it out of the attic for me, I, I'm wearing it. And, and then tomorrow I'm actually going to the embroiderer. So right underneath my dad's name, I'm going to put Cody Rhodes. 
thought that was great. I'm like, why is DDP's name in there? Well, I love the fact that he wouldn't take Dusty's off and just put mine <laughs> yeah. to the Stanley Cup, just keep adding names. Exactly. That's exactly what <laughs> I'm like. So wait a minute. So if you give it to your kid, like, if I steal it, if I steal it, do I get to embroider it? Like, how's Rear this work? City Rose. Yeah, like, how's this work? Last question. What's your favorite match you ever had? Favorite match I've ever had actually was this last TV taping, me and Brian Malonis versus the Briscoe Brothers. You and Brian? Brian Malonis. Brian Malonis. Who is my tag team partner. He's bigger than me. Okay. I haven't, I haven't heard of I've seen We're called ours. the Bouncers. Oh, nice. And we worked the Briscoe Brothers, and it was top That's match. Great, right. yeah. These guys are good. Yeah. Yeah. And we, when we got together, we're like, we don't want this to look like a wrestling match. We want this to look like a bar fight. And I think we did that. And they have even less teeth than you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> chicken pretty does. close, right? We joke all the time. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we'll walk in. I'll tell Chicken. I'll say, hey, man, this... Uh, would you call him chicken? Yeah. Because they're Delaware chicken farmers. Yep. So which guy is chicken? Mark. Oh, so Jay. Him, uh, Jay's is Jay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell chicken, I'm like, hey, this town we're in, um, you and I could be married. He goes, why? I go, because we got the most teeth than anybody here. <laughs> That's how you know you're in a podunk town. <laughs> That's right. Dude, I'm glad we got to do this, man. Me too, man. Got a chance to meet each other and hang out for a bit. And yeah. uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the on the, on the the Jericho cruise. It's be amazing. The Rockin' Rustin' Rager. It's Beer City Bruiser versus Cheeseburger in the first round of the Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament. Yes. Uh, I know who I'm going to bet on. <laughs> Although I know how wrestling works, so I'm probably going to bet on the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fill out your bracket. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thank you. All right, thanks to the Beer City Bruiser. He's going to be on the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. He's taking on Cheese Battle in his first round Sea of Honor tournament match. Who's going to win? You got to come on the cruise to find out. Only a few cabins left, so book one while you can. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We set sail October 27th. Everything included in the booking price, all-inclusive, all-live podcasts, stand-up comedy shows, meet-and-greets, concerts. The only thing you pay for when you book a cabin is alcohol and gambling, and this cruise is stacked as well. Once again, Alpha Club versus Bullet Club, the Bucks of Jericho, or is it Y2 Jackson versus Omega, Cody and Skrull, Impact versus Ring of Honor matches, kicking that off, Sammy Callahan versus Marty Skrull, the LAX versus the, Love, uh, versus the Young Bucks, uh, more matches to be announced. How about a live talk as Jericho with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat? How about a live talk as Jericho remembering Eddie Guerrero with Conan and Rey Mysterio? Uh, how about live talk as Jericho with Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler? How about live talk as Jericho with the entire Bullet Club? What about Mick Foley doing his 20 Years of Hell stand-up show? How about Killing the Town versus Keeping It 100 live debate and the first round of the Sea of Honor tournament? Uh, Jay Lethal versus BJ Whitmer. Chris Daniels versus Delirious. Marty Skrull versus Brett Titus. Silas Young versus Flip Gordon, bracket B. Mark Briscoe versus Will Ferrara. Adam Page versus Frankie Kazarian. Chi Battlega, Chi Battlega, Chi Battlega versus Beer City Bruiser. Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King. And of course, live music from Fozzie doing three sets as we have three top 40 hits right now. Burn Me Out at number 37 on the Billboard charts. Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour will be there. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. King, The Stir, The Dave Spivak Project, Speewee, you've heard him here in his music on Talk is Jericho, The Darlings of Rock and Roll, The Cherry Bombs, Shoot to Thrill, the world's best female ACDC cover band, Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best Ozzy Osbourne cover band, so much stuff going on, live comedy, Brad Williams, Craig Gass, Ron Funches, The Impractical Jokers, we got Noel Foley as a special guest host, we got SoCal Val as the cruise director, we got Mandy Leon, we got Kelly Klein. Just come. You got to be here. Come make history now. Book your cabin at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Come join the fun. Now, listen, coming up Wednesday, this is not as fun. We're going back into the conspiracy world. David Weiss returns to talk about the satanic government. If you thought the flat earth conversation was crazy, 
wait till you hear what David has to say about the current government that is running the United States of America. Conspiracy theories galore. Watch out. Put on your uh, tinfoil hat and get ready. Satanic government this Wednesday. Until then, have a great weekend. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big... Yeah!